0: Well, tonight, uh, we want to continue in a series that we've been doing called Be Mature. Uh, Pastor Ricosi and I have been alternating Wednesdays and teaching. And this book called Be Mature is written by a Dr. Warren Wiersbe. It's just been a fantastic book and commentary on the book of James. And tonight, we're going to be in James chapter 3, verses 13 to 18, and just called Where to Get Wisdom. Now, how many of you out there would agree with me that we need wisdom? And if you just look around at what's going on today, we wonder, where is their wisdom? There's so much going on that is that is worldly and ungodly and just mind-boggling at times as to the things that are happening all around us, and we're just saying, where is their wisdom? Show us some wisdom. So how do we get wisdom Now, I know that we all know people that we think are just about geniuses. Don't you know that? Some people that are just geniuses, and you go, man, they're so smart. I mean, they have such a high intelligence, probably a great IQ. But you know what? Their life is a complete mess. They can't manage their own life. How many of you know some people like that? A genius, but they can't manage their life. Did you know that Albert Einstein... You know, the guy that created the theory of relativity? Einstein, a very brilliant man. You know, he never wore socks. I mean, ever. And do you know what happens when you never wear socks? You are prone to athletes' feet. Your feet stink. You have all kinds of other problems with your feet. But Einstein could never figure it out. He just never wore socks. Also about Einstein, you know what? He had his fair share of extramarital affairs. In fact, he went through two divorces, all right? And he even had his first wife, Maliva, sign a bullet-pointed contract when their marriage was failing. And you know what he put in the contract? He demanded that she cook three meals a day, that she would abstain from intimate relationships with him, okay, and that she would stop talking when he requested now, how many of you know that's not wisdom? That's a, that's a recipe for a disaster right there. And then his second marriage, he actually married his cousin. <laughs> and, you know, and his two marriages were failed. So here was a brilliant guy that we can look at and say, man, there were parts of his life that just were a mess. Well, the book of James contrasts two kinds of wisdom. There's one wisdom called true wisdom And one is called false wisdom, otherwise known as God's wisdom and the world's wisdom or man's wisdom. And we're going to talk about these two things in three different aspects. The first aspect is this. We're going to contrast these two kinds of wisdom in their origins. In order to do that, let's turn to James chapter 3. And then we're going to look at verse 15 and we're going to look at verse 17 to start off. So here we go. Verse 15, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, and sincere. Why don't we just say a prayer as we get into this. Father, we just come to you tonight. And God, we're asking, Lord, that you would speak to every heart, every person that is watching this broadcast. God, I pray that you would speak to their heart. God, pour into them right now. I pray this would be spiritual food for their soul and that you would pour your wisdom into us right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right. So true wisdom comes from above. That's true wisdom. False wisdom comes from below. All right? The Bible describes it as earthly. The Bible describes it as demonic. Do not confuse the world's knowledge with the world's wisdom. How many know there's a lot of knowledge to go around? I mean, we can buy encyclopedias. We can get on the internet. We can look up all kinds of Information and we can learn and I encourage that we should all be learning. We should all be growing How many know that God created this world, right? So we should be learning about the creation learning about what God has created the truths that God has Put into place the natural laws and the things that God has put into place We should learn as much as we can don't confuse knowledge With wisdom these are two different things because the world has turned from God It has lost wisdom. This is so important for us to understand. The world can have knowledge and incredible knowledge. In fact, some people in this world have way more knowledge than I do. They have way more knowledge than you do, but they do not have wisdom. Wisdom comes from God. Its origin is from above. It's not from here on earth. So, I want to talk about that. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. What God's Word is saying basically here is that for someone who doesn't know Jesus Christ, for someone who doesn't understand the message of the cross, they have not received it in their heart. They have not surrendered to Jesus Christ. They are not going to understand the message of the cross. It's going to seem like foolishness to them. It's going to seem like just a you know, an old wives' tale. They're going to look at it, and they're not going to believe it, and they're just going to think that's, a, that's kind of a crazy story, talking about a man being crucified on a cross. You think he was the Savior. God needs to save us. They're not going to understand anything about it It's going to be foolishness to them But to those who us those of us who are perishing those of us who are being saved In other words, those of us who have recognized that we are sinners that we are imperfect that we could never measure up That we need a savior that we need God Almighty to help us for us. The message of the cross is the power of God God It is like that is what we needed to hear. That is what we needed to know. That to me, the message of the cross is a message of hope. That's a message of of joy. That's a message of thank you, Jesus, for what you have done for me. I don't deserve it, but thank you, God, for your grace. And God says that right there. That is wisdom. When you begin to recognize what Jesus and what his cross stood for, what he has done for you, that is wisdom. So you see, false wisdom is natural, it's not spiritual, it is gotten by man's fallen nature and not from the Spirit of God, all right? But the wisdom, but that wisdom is also demonic, and it fights against the wisdom of God. I'm going to turn in the Scriptures right now to Romans, uh, the first chapter, and I just want to read to you some verses from verse 18 down to verse 25, and Let's see what the scripture says. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. It says, But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who push aside, uh, who push the truth away from themselves. For the truth about God is known to them instinctively. God has put this knowledge in their hearts. From the time the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky and all that God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature. So they have no excuse whatsoever for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. The result was that their minds became dark and confused, claiming to be wise They became utter fools instead. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people or birds and animals and snakes. And so God let them go ahead and do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. And as a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. Instead of believing what they knew was the truth about God, they deliberately chose to believe lies. So they worshiped the things God made But not the creator himself, who is to be praised forever. Amen. Wow. God's word put it so plainly. That God has revealed himself through what he has created. We can look around at creation. We can look at the beautiful mountains and the oceans. We can look at the diversity of life and how beautiful that is. And we can see God's fingerprints everywhere. God is revealing himself through all that he has made. But people, we... We, people of all people across the earth, we decided that we would not worship the creator. Instead, in our foolishness, we worship the created thing instead of the creator. That is foolishness. That is man's wisdom to deny God, even though we can see his fingerprint, even though we can see all of this and and recognize there's a designer. Instead, we choose not to And we worship the created thing. So wisdom from above comes from God. The only way to get that wisdom is to is to look to the Lord and to find Jesus Christ. James 117 says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights. So Jesus Christ is our wisdom. Colossians chapter 2, verse 3, speaks of Jesus. It says this, In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Do you want real wisdom? You want real knowledge? Then listen, look to Jesus Christ, because in him is, is the, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The first step into true wisdom is coming to faith in Jesus Christ. I want to challenge you out there right now. Some of you know Jesus. You've been following Jesus for a long time maybe, but then maybe some of you do not. You have not been following Jesus. Maybe you don't really feel like you know Jesus on a personal level, and he is a God who wants to know you personally and intimately. Well, right now, I just want to challenge you. Just call on the name of Jesus Christ. If you want wisdom, if you want all that hidden treasure, all that hidden knowledge and wisdom, would you just call on the name of Jesus and humble yourself and just say, God, I'm so sorry for, all the things that I've done, the things that I have thought, the things, God, that I tried to do it on my own. But God, I call out to you right now and I ask you to forgive me of all those things. I've made so many mistakes, but God, I need you in my life. Jesus, come into my life and come and bring that treasure, bring that wisdom, bring that knowledge. I surrender myself to you And I I just want to know you more. If you say that and you want to know him more, I can assure you right now that he is speaking to your heart and he's going to come into your life right now. He's going to come into your heart if you just... Ask him to. You know why? He's not far away. He is actually standing at the door of your heart, and he is knocking, the scripture tells us. He is there knocking, and he's just waiting for you to open the door. He's just right here. All you have to do is say a prayer. All you have to do is call on his name. All you have to do is reach out to him in humility and humbleness and ask his forgiveness. Trust in him. Believe on him, and he will bring this wisdom into your life. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. In other words, it doesn't matter Anything you've done already in your life, if you would call out on the name of the Lord right now, asking for Jesus, asking for wisdom, He will not slap you down. He's not going to make you feel guilty and He's not going to, He's not going to take you and He's going to punish you forever. He's going to say, if you're coming to me, you're asking me to forgive you. If you're making me the Lord of your life, then I come and I will tell you what I have done for you. I have died on the cross for your sins. I will cover your sins. You can come to me and I will make you a child of God and you can follow me and I will pour all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge into your life if you would surrender to me. It's as simple as that. So call on his name right now. Two different origins for wisdom, one from above, one from below. The second contrast is in operations. And we're going to read right now in James 3, verses 13 to 14, and then 17. So here's verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. The Bible describes how these two wisdoms operate. So let's take a look at that. The wisdom from above operates radically different from the wisdom from below. What are the evidences of a false wisdom? How do we know it's a false wisdom? That it's from the earth or from man or from the pit of hell versus from above, from God? Well, first thing would be bitter jealousy. It said in verse 14, but if you have bitter jealousy, you have to ask ourselves the question, do we rejoice when others succeed? Or do we have secret jealousy? Do we feel burdened when others fail? Or are we glad when other people fail because that just puts us that further ahead? What kind of spirit do we have in our heart? What kind of wisdom do we have? Is it bitter jealousy? What about selfish ambition? The scripture mentioned that as an earthly kind of wisdom. Are we trying to be the most popular or trying to gain the most power? We see a lot of that in our world, especially in politics, right? This will only create rivalry and division. So let me speak to the people in the church, the believers, the followers of Jesus Christ. In the church, James is saying we can't be these people that are just trying to be the most popular or have the most power. That will create division. That will create rivalry. That is not godly wisdom. That is earthly wisdom, man's wisdom, demonic wisdom so we need to listen up another characteristic is boasting pride loves to boast amen we need to be careful about the way that we give God glory Christians Listen to me, sometimes we boast in our own works and we act as if we're trying to give God the glory, but really what it comes across is that we're trying to get a pat on the back. We're trying to be recognized for what we have done. We need to be careful in how we boast, all right? If we're going to boast, we need to make sure that it is an approach that gives God all the glory, right? We can't do it so that we get some of the glory, God gets some of the glory. We need to do it so that God gets all the glory. So that means you got to think a little bit before you speak about what you're boasting about, so that we make sure God gets all the glory. Second Corinthians ten seventeen said it like this: Let the one who boasts boast in the Lord, for it is not the one who commends himself who's approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. All right, let's move on to the next word. Here is deceit. This. This word is deceit, this earthly wisdom. Boasting usually leads to lies, doesn't it? Sometimes we puff ourselves up and we say things. We're really stretching the truth about our accomplishments or anything else. We try to make ourselves look better than we really are. That's what happens in boasting, and so it leads to lies. But God knows who we really are inside. We can't fool God, right? And so we have to realize that this is the kind of earthly wisdom is, is it leads to boasting and then to deceit. But what are the evidences of a true spiritual wisdom? What are these evidences? The scripture mentioned them in verse 13. It said, meekness. Meekness is godly wisdom. It comes from godly wisdom. All right? Meekness is not weakness. Let me describe to you what meekness is. Meekness is power under control. That's meekness. The Greek word for meekness was used for a horse that had been broken so that its power was under control. Meekness is also a fruit of the Holy Spirit mentioned in Galatians 5.23. All right. You might recognize it most often as being translated gentleness. It's the same Greek word there. Another great illustration of meekness is the elephant's trunk. It's an example of of great strength coupled with precise control. You see, with more than 40,000 individual muscles in an elephant trunk, the trunk is strong enough to rip branches from trees, but it is sensitive enough to pick up a single blade of grass. And this is what God's looking. He wants us to be strong, 40,000 spiritual muscles, all right? We're able to defeat our enemy, but we're also able, gentle enough, to pick up the weak, pick up the person that is hurting, and just, just be so gentle with that person and bring them in and help them in the family of God. Another uh, characteristic is purity, says in verse 17. What's purity? It's, it's really about holiness. God is holy. Therefore, the wisdom from above is pure. It's holy. It is a thought that is free from defilement. It leads to a holy life. How about, how about you? But I desire that in my life too. How many know we'll constantly have a battle, you know, with what goes on between these two ears? It's that thought life is constantly under attack, right? But we have to get to the place where we say, God, purify my mind. God, make me holy. Let me be a holy thinker. Let me be a pure thinker because my thinking leads to to my actions in life, and I want to live a holy life. The next characteristic of godly wisdom is peace. Man's wisdom leads to competition and rivalry and war, but God's wisdom leads to peace. God's peace is not based on compromise. We have to know that, but it's based on holiness. I want you to understand this. In other words, the peace of the church is not as important as the purity of the church god is concerned about the purity if the church is pure and devoted to god there will be peace there will be peace so let's be holy before the Lord and allow that holy living to lead to peace. We can never sweep sin under the rug. That's not the way that God wants to bring about peace in the church. It's not that we avoid and we sweep it under the rug that wrong things are happening and people are taking advantage of certain people and there's all kinds of sin that is being elevated in, in, in the church, in the house of God, and we're just supposed to ignore it just to keep the peace. That's not what God is asking of us. He's saying, be holy, and that holiness leads. To a peace, because when you're holy, you become a person of peace. That fruit of the Spirit becomes part of your life. Gentleness, verse 17 again. You know, I just have a quote on this one. Carl Sandburg described Abraham Lincoln as a man of velvet steel. Think about that velvet steel what a what a picture of gentleness that's a pretty good description you get the point all right the next characteristic is reason God's wisdom makes followers of Christ reasonable they're easy to live with and get along with and work with man's wisdom makes people stubborn and hard to live with and work with right we need to understand these things you have to ask yourself do I disagree without becoming disagreeable It's okay to disagree. You have have some truth and you have some things that you believe in. There's some convictions that you've gotten from God, all right? But you can disagree, but you do not have to be disagreeable. Your attitude doesn't have to be one of of war, all right? Your attitude doesn't have to be one of of insulting somebody else or going to battle verbally with somebody else. Your attitude could be one of peace, amen, and of reason, reason, reason. Stubbornness should not be confused with conviction. Too many people confuse those two things. Stubbornness is not conviction. Stubbornness just means that you have to have your own way. Conviction means that you go about doing things God's way. That's conviction, all right? But stubbornness is really about your preferences. Stubbornness is about the way you get to do those things, and the way you think those things should be done. But it's not really necessarily based in conviction. God's truth just based on your life experience and what you think needs to be done. God's wisdom says we must be willing to listen, to pray, and to obey whatever God reveals. How many know that we can have conversations with people and, you know, it may be like, oh, man, I don't, I don't agree with that person. Well, you know what? God may be giving you wisdom. You have an opportunity to listen to somebody and process that information. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you truth. And you know what? You just may end up learning from the person that you thought that you were just going to disagree with all day long. You may learn something as the Spirit of God pours into you and you see it from another perspective. In other words, you can be persuaded. Maybe there was some truth. Maybe there was something God wanted to say through that person. And and you let your stubbornness go so that you could be reasonable. And that's what God says is godly wisdom. The next characteristic is mercy. To be full of something means to be controlled by it. The Bible says be full of mercy. If you're full of mercy, then you will be controlled by mercy. So let me ask you, are you full of God's wisdom? Then you are controlled by mercy. Luke 6.36 reminds us, be merciful even as your father is merciful, speaking about God in heaven. The next characteristic is good fruit. People who are faithful are fruitful. Fruitful. When God's wisdom is poured into us, our life becomes full to the glory of God. We begin to do the good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. That's a life of wisdom. Wisdom, putting into practice and doing the things that God has put In your life for you to do impartiality is the next characteristic. God's wisdom gives us the ability to be unbiased toward all people. This is a message we need to hear desperately in this world right now, don't we? If we really want wisdom and the issues about how to get along between people and different people. We need God's wisdom because godly wisdom leads us to become impartial. It means that we look at every person and we do not treat them differently just because of ethnicity or status. We look at all people and we treat them with with equality because we realize that they have been made in the image of God and they're worthy of honor for that very fact that God has made them in his image and I will honor that. I will honor that and I will treat people with respect and I will treat people with the love of God. How else are we going to win people to Christ, by the way, if we don't have this kind of wisdom that we can see people with impartiality and look at them and share that message? And then the last characteristic in verse 17 is sincerity. Sincerity. Man's wisdom leads to hypocrisy and double standards. We see that every single day if you're just paying attention to the news or you're reading anything you realize how much hypocrisy and double standards there are in our society especially right here in america but it's all over the world and we see that that's just man's wisdom that's just an earthly wisdom that's a demonic wisdom just expressing itself hypocrisy and double standards but god's wisdom leads us to openness and honesty. That's God's wisdom. We may not understand everything. We may not get all the facts or all the, uh, you know, there may be lots of things that we need filled in for us. But listen, sincerity is a a characteristic of godly wisdom. In other words, it comes and it asks open and honest questions. And, And true godly wisdom welcomes that. It recognizes that we all don't have the answers completely. We don't all have a perfect understanding, but we are on a journey together, and we're asking for more wisdom to be poured into us. And so we're able to be honest about our feelings. We're able to be honest about our thoughts. And it's okay when not everybody has exactly the same thought and everybody has exactly the same understanding. It's okay to have open and honest conversation. The Bible says that's wisdom from above, and that's what we need today. And that's a message we need to continue to spread. We need to teach it to our children. We need to, we need to share it in our families. And I know some families, they don't talk about anything because they fight about everything. But maybe as a, as a believer in Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, would you begin to spread godly wisdom by treating people this way, by demonstrating sincerity? Have open and honest conversations. Okay that in your circles Don't just shut people down and turn people off and defriend them and kick them out because they think differently. Why don't you begin to have honest conversations? All right, and then the third thing that we want to look at in regards to the two types of wisdom is the contrast in their outcome. What happens when we have godly wisdom from above and then what happens when we have earthly wisdom from below? The outcome is totally different. Let's look at verse 16 and 18. So the verse 16 in James 3 says this, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. That is the the outcome of earthly wisdom. And then verse 18 says, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This is the result of godly wisdom. So what's important to know here, if you're taking notes, is this. The origin of wisdom determines the outcome. Where did the wisdom come from? If it's godly wisdom, it's going to lead to peace and the sowing of more peace. If if it is earthly or demonic wisdom, it is going to bring about jealousy and selfish ambition. There will be disorder. There will be evil practice everywhere. That's the difference between the two outcomes. Worldly worldly wisdom produces worldly results. Spiritual wisdom gives spiritual results. Warren Wiersbe, the author of the book that we're studying here in the book of James called Be Mature, he says this, The most important thing we can do in our local churches is measure our ministries by the word of God, not by the wisdom of men. The many battles among Christians the church splits, the absence of purity and peace all suggest that something is wrong. And perhaps that something is the absence of the wisdom of God. God help us, especially right here at Chandler First Assembly of God, to invite the wisdom of God, to embrace the wisdom of God, to look up, to look to our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ, His Son, placing our faith squarely in Jesus, And trusting in him for all the wisdom and treasures of knowledge that he wants to pour into our life. If we would do that, then we would succeed in in seeing peace be produced, even among the church. God's wisdom produces blessing. And James tells tells us this, that those who make peace sow a harvest of righteousness in peace. Fruit is the product of life. And fruit has in it the seeds for more fruit. Usually it is the seed that is sown, but here it is the fruit that is sown. As we share the fruit of God with others, they are fed and satisfied, and they in turn bear fruit. Every life is about sowing and reaping, isn't it? Every life. We reap what we sow. And you know, as a believer, follower of Jesus, we do not want to be a troublemaker in God's family i am got to tell us that in Proverbs 6, 16 and 19, there's some things that God tells us about the things that he hates. And here's some things that he hates. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, And this last part, and one who sows discord among the brothers. Church, God does not want us sowing discord among the brothers. If you're part of our fellowship and part of the church here, we are highly, we're preaching this truth that, you know what? God wants us to be people of peace, people of the wisdom of God. We're not here to sow discord among us. We don't want to be those kind of people. That is something that God hates So let us embrace godly wisdom from above and not earthly wisdom. In conclusion tonight, I want to just tell you this real short story. This is this Native American grandfather. He was talking to his grandson about how he felt. And he said this. He says, I feel as if I have two wolves fighting in my heart. One wolf is the vengeful, angry, violent one. The other wolf is the loving, compassionate one. The grandson asked him, which wolf will win the fight in your heart? And the grandfather answered, the one that I feed. It's an important story because, listen, there are two wisdoms that reside in your heart. And they come from different origins. They have different characteristics. And they will produce different results. There's the wisdom from above. And then there's the wisdom from below. But which one will you feed? Every single day, which one will you feed? Will you just gather in all of the world's wisdom, the things that you're reading, the things that you're hearing on social media, the things that you're picking up from news reports, all this wisdom that goes beyond the story but into the philosophy, into the ideas realm, into the things that you're supposed to think or not supposed to think. The world is pumping all this Wisdom, this earthly wisdom into your life. Which one will you feed? Will you feed that? Or will you go to your source, Jesus Christ? I want to tell you right now that every single day, we can follow the Lord's plan. We can follow the Lord's pattern. And the Bible says that Jesus got up early when it was dark, and he went out to pray. He went out and he began to seek his heavenly Father, and he went out and he began to get wisdom in his heart. He began to be poor into and in his in his relationship with God was strengthened, and I'm going to tell you we have that same opportunity. Which wisdom are you going to feed? Are you going to start your day by surrendering to Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, and saying pour those treasures of wisdom and knowledge into my life, or are you just going to listen to all the things that we are bombarded with and that we hear day in and day out that try to shape our thinking, it try to shape our behaviors, they try to shape the way that we're going. Listen, we want to get our wisdom from God, and the only way to do it is to come through Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. Proverbs 313 says, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. There's two words in this proverb that I'm just gonna end with right now. And I'm gonna tell you they're really important words. All right, there's one called find, and there's one called get finds and gets. If I could rename the message tonight, I would call it find and get, all right? Because God is saying, go find the wisdom. In other words, it's a, It's like... A It's something you gotta go do. It's, it's like a journey that you gotta go on. I wanna go find wisdom. I'm, I'm, I'm searching for it. I'm looking for it. And listen, Jesus is there for you to find. Like I told you, He is standing at the door of your heart and He is knocking. So really, it's a real short journey. All you have to do is open up the door and see Him there. Invite Him in. But find that wisdom. It is ready for you. And then it says, and then get understanding i tell you if you find jesus if he's there and you open up the door he will give you understanding you will get the understanding that you are searching for if you would surrender yourself to jesus every single day